Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Free Thought Podcast. My name is Amelia. And I'm Chad Chow. And today we're going to be talking about Trump's acceptance speech at the RNC. We'll be going through it, we're reading the transcript, and pointing out things that stand out to us. Describe the speech in three in three or four words. Okay, so I both of us have so many things to say about this. I know we took notes all over this document. First, if I were to assign three, four, five words to it, I would the four words I have written down on my paper are lies, fear mongering, propaganda, and hypocrisy. What are yours? <laughs> um, I think mine are definitely uh, a little more optimistic. Uh, <laughs> I thought I thought it was a pretty good speech. Um, he he definitely said a couple of things that are a little questionable and could be lies. I don't know if they're all lies. Um, he did attack Biden a lot, which was something that he boasted about um, before he addressed his speech. Yeah. All right. So now that we've <laughs> obviously shown a couple, a little bit of our preliminary response here. Do you want to just jump right into it? I have a couple of points I want to bring up. So one of the first things he says is he says that re- the Republican Party, obviously the party he's running for, is the party of Abraham Lincoln. And it's like, and that really struck me because in my view, and in like I've seen a lot of news sources and in sort of in the public view, a lot of people are coming to realize that the Republican Party of today is so different from the Republican Party of, say, Abraham Lincoln. I mean, there's even a project called the Lincoln Project that's devoted to making sure Trump doesn't get reelected. And it's, and it's, it's, a, it's a group of Republicans. The, the, the Republican Party of today is a party of nationalism. It's a party of not taking accountability. It's a party of... Of, of all the things that Lincoln was against, even though they were both technically Republicans, it's it's all the things that L- Lincoln did not stand for. So it was just, it really struck me that he would say that even when so many people are realizing and are, know very well that it is not the party of Abraham Lincoln. It has been, the, the definition of a Republican has been diluted since then. I definitely wasn't as, uh, I wasn't struck in the way you were. I was, I was more my my thought process was more like oh that's a like a great move on his part like it's 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 something that's true he like it's it's just a great way to i guess get more votes for him really i don't know i kind of disagree i think it's like just a complete and utter lie he's not the party of abraham lincoln otherwise there wouldn't be something called the lincoln project that was literally against him I mean, I Lincoln was the Republican Party. It's not a lie. It could be misleading if you, if you interpret well, it. Well, yeah, Lincoln is a Republican Party, but what, like the, the ruling style of of Donald Trump is astronomically different from the the ruling style of 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 Abraham Lincoln. To say to compare he, himself to Abraham Lincoln in any way, I know this he wasn't necessarily comparing them as presidents, but he was saying that they're a part of the same essentially ideology seems absurd to me, but I get it. I agree to disagree. Oh, um, do you have a point you want to bring up chat or do you, do you want me to bring something else up? Uh, you can, I, I know throughout the speech you had many points you wanted to bring up. So <laughs> yes. I'll, I'll let you do that. All right. All right. So 
almost, yeah, right after he talks about the Abraham, the, he makes the whole Abraham Lincoln reference. He says, we are one national family. And this is a, a common theme throughout this whole thing. He talked about how united we are, how we are all one. Um, and while that sounds good on fa- at face value, what he wasn't arguing that we should be all united. He's arguing that we are united right now, which seems, again, completely false. We are at one of the most div- times of the most division in all of history. And it's largely due to him. Uh, he literally won by getting one half of the country to hate the other. I mean, among a, among a lot of reasons, but I would say that that is one of many. And, I, and it struck me, especially because I remember watching the DNC and the speeches that Joe and Kamala and a bunch of other officials, or yeah, like officials there gave, actually talked about how there's a time of division. And if, and if Joe is elected, he will heal that division. So to hear Joe actually acknowledge the division and want to solve it, whereas Trump completely disregarded it and say that we're extremely united right now was a stark difference that I wanted to point out between the two speeches. I think that was one of the biggest dif- differences between their speeches. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't really put it that way. I think you might have analyzed it a little too extremely. He just says we are one national family and we have, we've always been one national family. We've always like like say you have an argument with your brother or sister and you have a time where you just hate each other i it's definitely happened to me and i think siblings are just like that anyways well um, he's the way i read it was just that he's just saying that we are a family and even though we're going through a tough time and we have differing opinions we are still one family i don't really think he's you know like saying that saying saying the things that you were saying if it was just that quote if if the only time he mentioned division or being united or whatever was just the national family quote i would say yes i totally agree with you he's saying that even through the turmoil we are still part of one country part of one union but it was not just it was not just this quote there were so many quotes that i don't think i'm misconstruing it he's constantly talking about that we're united and he didn't and he doesn't even mention or let alone acknowledge the turmoil going on when you when the only thing you talk about is how united you are and not like the racial division or whatever that that's that's negligent and i think that's i i don't know i perceive that it's extremely negligent of the truth but you know i i Uh, I understand why you would perceive it in a different way i just wanted to point out that he did bring up the turmoil that's happening in in america especially the rioters he did bring that up um a numerous amount of times, so I don't really know do, do you what you by turmoil. Do you want to move to the rioters? Like, talk about his what, the way he talked about that because I have a couple points on that. And I see. I mean, I just, I just wanted to point out that what you were saying wasn't necessarily correct. No, no, I mean, like, I actually have it written down on my paper. Let's start talking about how he talked about the BLM movement. No, no, I just, I just, I just want to like. You said no, you said that he didn't acknowledge the turmoil that's happening, and. He did acknowledge it, though. Yeah, but he he acknowledged the rioting. This is the part where we disagree. He acknowledged the rioting as if Mm -hmm. it was without a cause. He acknowledged the rioting as if it was just the Democrats going crazy. Not at all acknowledging the root of it. The root of it is the racial injustice that the people are sick of, and they've been sick of for cent- for, for decades and centuries. Okay, and but that's that's a big difference than him than you saying just he didn't acknowledge the any turmoil. That's that's what you said originally. So I'm glad I'm glad that we went a little deeper. And yeah, you can go over what you what you wanted to say about his his views on um, the Black Lives Matter movement. 
Yeah, so to switch gears, talking about the Black Lives Matter movement, I sort of said this just a second ago, but I'll, I'll, I'll sort of restate it. I really, really disliked how he didn't at all talk about the root of the riots. He made it seem as if with his with his language, he made it seem as if the riots were happening for no reason. It was just the, quote, radical Democrats going insane and tearing down statues and all these things. He never once mentioned the actual cause behind it. He didn't talk about the racial injustice. He actually crit- criticized Democrats for talking about racial injustice multiple times throughout this, throughout this speech. And I, th- I really do think that that is, that is shameful, that he wouldn't, he wouldn't at least talk about the root cause and then make it sound, and he instead make it sound like the riots were just for fun. I don't know. I think that, again, you can see a stark difference between the speeches that were given at the DNC. The DNC, they, should, they talked about rioting a little bit, but they also mainly talked about the racial injustice and the, the stem, the root of the actual issue. Whereas here, he only wanted to talk about the, the effect, not the cause. Yeah, I think he, you are right about that point. I think it's also um, beneficial if we look at overall what he talked about. I think first and foremost, the most important thing that at least I gained out of it was this is a time for President Trump to, um, you know, really give his thoughts about the COVID-19 pandemic on a, on a nation, on a, on a big stage. And so I think he did, he did say a lot of things like as the U S where we've, we've had like an 80% decrease in COVID deaths since March or something like that. And so, yeah, he was kind of talking about COVID and stuff like that. And then I guess the other half of his speech was just him attacking Biden. I didn't, if you saw anything else, please, please speak up. But I, I saw it as him attacking Biden and um, especially the Democratic National Convention. He referenced that many times. Yeah. And um, well, along with, oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. I, my, my mistake. But to co- sort of add on to your point about half and half, he certainly talked about COVID a lot. He certainly talked about Biden, compared their stances on certain things, putting Biden down. There were a couple of other references and big themes, which we'll get into later. But yeah, I think that's a pretty good analysis. What are your thoughts on the way he talked about COVID and his response to it? I think, I think one of the things that the media and a lot of people um, have criticized Trump about is his response to COVID-19 and how badly he, you know, responded to it, which, which is probably true. Um, But I think this was a time for him to actually say like, you know, the U S isn't doing that bad. Yes. We could have done things better, but it's not, that bad and you know he gave some facts like i said um 80 a decrease in 80 percent of deaths along with um where like not the top um major country with deaths per capita or something like that but yeah i mean i'd argue that it's pretty bad i would argue that it's pretty bad i know you said we're not actually doing that bad i would have to disagree with you on that we have about 6 million cases, almost 200,000 deaths. Sure, it could be worse, but that doesn't mean it's good. Just because other countries have it worse doesn't mean we're doing well, if that makes sense. Yeah, if you, and, compare, if you compare America relative to America, we could be doing better. Personally, okay, here's how I feel about the COVID thing and how he talked about it. He talked about a lot of the good things that have gone on under, like during America, the, the sources, that have, the, the supplies that have been given to people who need them and how we haven't ever had a shortage of ventilators, things like that. And sure, I mean, for I'm going to try and put myself in his head for a second. Of course he's going to try and talk about how amazing he did because that's exactly what he's getting criticized a lot for. But if we're looking at it from a 
from a sta- uh, standpoint of reality. I really don't think that <laughs> I'm, I don't know. I just think that this whole narrative that he spread that he had been absolutely crushing it with dealing with COVID is completely false. If he was, he wouldn't have downplayed it for two months. He wouldn't have removed testing stations because less tests equals less cases. Apparently he would actually be wearing a mask. He wouldn't have had an RNC where everyone was packed like shoulder to shoulder. I don't know. I don't I mean, know. I, just, I do want to point out at the RNC, they were all tested um, a couple of days before and right before. Not everyone got their test results back though. You know how four people were, you know, caught with COVID-19 um, at like the North Carolina site for the RNC. They they found those people because they got their test back. And at the White House, you get your test back um, within 10 to 15 minutes or so. So it's relatively quick. And they would they would realize that um, a person was positive right away. So 10 to 15 minutes, because I don't I don't know if that's true. Maybe some people got these fast tests if these fast tests actually do exist. But um, I mean, they're all they're all getting tested at the same place, right at the entry point. But to address your whole point about the ten minute, fifteen minute tests, is that even a thing? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, it's it's of course the White House is going to have quicker, quicker um, testing results, and they've they've talked about it many times. They say that every every person who comes close in contact or even enters the White House is going to get tested for coronavirus. And if they get a negative test, then they're sent home. So that's, yeah. You mean positive, but yes. <laughs> oh, positive. Sorry. <laughs> you're uh, good. You're good. Yeah. I brought up the statistic that um, the the U.S. was doing, uh, he, the U.S. is actually 10th in um, the COVID test per capita for mortality rate. So um, that's, 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 Pretty good in my eyes, but we could again, like I said before, relative to the U.S. relative to the U.S., we could be doing better. Yeah, I mean, whatever ranking we have is pretty irrelevant in a way because if you think about all of the things that could have been done better, that ranking could be even better. I just don't think that because we have a good ranking or quote unquote good ranking means that we don't have to worry about it or that we should yeah. praise our. Presence. I mean, there are again, like people numerous. Make- Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say that people make mistakes. Like Biden, you know, his nineteen ninety four, um, his nineteen ninety four criminal uh, justice bill or something like that. Crime, like, crime bill, yeah. Yeah, crime bill. Like, I'm sure he wants to take that back and you know reform it or n- not even pass it. But yeah, he he could have done things better. But um, yeah, here's it. Yeah, but here's a couple differences with that. One, a crime bill, though still awful, is a lot, is very different from um, a, perpetuating a worldwide pandemic. Two, a crime bill, um, but two, with Biden, with the crime bill, he's literally expressed his remorse for, 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 for allowing that bill to be passed and talked about how bad it is. Whereas what we're talking about now is that in the speech, Trump is showing no remorse for his reactions. He's actually saying that he did perfectly well. So there's a huge difference in how these two people are reacting to their mistakes. And three, um, screwing up a worldwide pandemic is a pretty big mistake. <laughs> it's not just a, oh, I, I call it outside the lines. Also, passing a crime bill um, that's a major contributor to mass incarceration is also a pretty big mistake in my eyes. Yeah. Um, I'm, not argu- I'm not arguing that one is good and one is bad. They're both awful. Yeah. However, you have to recognize the scale. Yeah, I don't really think Trump said he did it perfectly well. 
I think he just pointed out the things that were good. I don't, I don't think he said like, Oh, we're, we're the, we have the best COVID like things in the world. Like he acknowledges that there have been deaths and he, and he had, and he acknowledged that, um, the deaths that have occurred and he he gave his remorse well i mean there's no use getting into specifics however remember many quotes where he said where he just stroked his ego with how well he quote-unquote well he had handled it so i don't know whatever it is there's no really use in looking like going back to details but anyway um oh another big thing there was so much socialist communist fear-mongering um these were just a couple quotes that I wrote down. He said that the Democrats had a socialist agenda. He said, he talked about, quote, the Bernie Biden manifesto, which obviously has um, implications of communism because of the communist manifesto. He talked about the radical left. He talked, he literally called Biden a Trojan horse for socialism. Um, and I could go on. That was just a couple. It was just a very, very prominent theme throughout this whole thing. And I don't know. Uh, it just goes to show that Capitalist propaganda is literally everywhere in America. Say whatever you want about capitalism, but the propaganda is everywhere. And communism and, and communists and socialists are constantly de- demonized. Is mm. that, am I saying that as someone who's not a capitalist? I, I don't know really where I stand in economic theory, but it's, it's very noticeable, the propaganda. And it really it's irritating to see because I know that the people who are believing him about this, actually believing him when he says that Biden is a communist or Biden is a socialist, truly don't understand what those those terms those terms mean which is frustrating it's frustrating to see fear-mongering right in front of your eyes and for it to work on so many people but whatever yeah <laughs> those are just my thoughts on it it was extremely prevalent this and we can get into the china fear-mongering right after this but i think all of it stems from a fear of communism that's instilled into american culture but i think with the china fear-mongering um one of the one of the more prevalent points that i saw Trump used in his speech was that when Obama and Biden were were in office, they made many American jobs um, in uh, jo- foreign jobs. Like they they had this deal of some sort and um, made many American jobs foreign jobs. So Americans were essentially yeah. losing jobs, and so that that was the most prevalent, um, I guess, fear mongering he used. Um, what are what are your what are your thoughts about? Uh, well, yeah, China. some big quotes that he brought up were Biden will work for uh, China. He also said Biden will be a tool for China. He's, and then he would con- contrast that by saying, I will work for America. He's a, and we can talk about this whole theme of <laughs> patriotism after this. But he constantly talks about how he's for the American people, whereas Biden is for China. He's a puppet for China. He also uh, said that China wants Biden to win, sort of um, implying that there's some sort of collusion there or at least strong support that's been vocalized by china for biden which is funny because of obviously the russia collusion anyways uh he also said i will take our business out of china so sort of connecting to your point about how um there was a lot of expansion of jobs where where they happen glo- uh, globally he wants to um prevent that from happening and keep jobs in america and i think that's i mean it's appealing to his audience at least his audience is all about quote, not letting illegal immigrants take our jobs, keeping our jobs, expanding our jobs. So I get why he said it. It's appealing to the people who he's talking to. So, you know. Uh, I just think another, uh, another fear-mongering that I don't think we touched on was um, 
the fear of a Joe Biden America and a Joe Biden economy. I think he used that many, many times. Yeah. Um, and he compared it and he compared and he essentially said that if Joe Biden is president, then every city will look like Portland, Oregon right now, which is definitely something that um, I guess would scare people more than communist China or anything like that. Yeah, well, I don't know about more. They're different fears. When people, when people who he's talking to, when his audience hears about quote communist China, they're they're thinking about sort of uh, fears that are existential to America, things that are scary because they're sort of in general not just like globally or geographically foreign, but foreign to their ideas. I, I mean, I don't really think a lot of people understand China's economic system, so it's it's that's a, a fear. That's sort of a fear of the, not knowing the power of China and things like that. That's where this whole fear mongering things come comes this, from. This, Whereas, oh, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, sorry, go ahead. Uh, uh, no, it's kind of off topic. Not okay. off topic, but like still, yeah. Yeah, to address your point about fear mongering, like in Portland, and you will not be safe in Joe Biden's America. It's just funny because this is all going on under his America. I don't know. It's just the the blatant obviousness of how false his claims are. Like, how can you say this is, you will not be saving Joe Biden's America. It'll be like rioting and looting if that's exactly what's going on in his America. Trump, Trump can't, I don't, I don't think he can take control of what goes on in every state. I don't think he has the power to do that. I think that's ultimately left up to the mayors or the governors of the state. I don't know if that's exactly true, but I think if he could do that, then he would. Um, I think when he did, he did bring up, um, I think in Kenosha, um, that the mayor of Kenosha, um, all he had to do was ask for, um, like national guard to come in and then Trump would send it. So I think, I think, the, I think it's, it's the mayor's, um, fault. I don't think Trump has the power to, you know, just send in national guard without the mayor's permission or something like that. So what? Sorry, just quickly. Well, then why is he okay. why is he arguing that Biden can? If he's saying you will not be safe in Joe Biden's America for this exact reason, and then he's also saying, but I can't control it. Why is he expecting because, that Biden because, will be able to control it? Because oh. the mayors who have these cities that are going crazy and going chaotic are Democrats. That's why. I I don't know. I just but then again, it's, you it's, also it's a strong just, argument. You also just, I I, I I want to give him kudos. Like it's a strong argument. But you also just said that 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 um, the president can't control what mayors and governors do. Yeah, no, but he's saying there's so many mayors. No, he's saying that these cities are ran are ran are run by Democrats, and if you elect a Democrat, then this will happen to America. That's that's his big point. I yeah, I just oh, think that's an cool. incredibly fallacious argument. But whatever. Um, what, what's another point you want to bring up? Oh, what's I wanted to bring up, um, I guess the way view the ending of coronavirus, um, Trump, he sees the end with a vaccine. And I remember in Biden's speech, he said a lot that like, oh, I have a plan to do all of this and, you know, vote for me. And it almost seemed like coronavirus will go away relatively quickly. But Trump just said that, um, essentially said we're waiting for a vaccine and once this vaccine then we'll once the vaccine is made then we'll go from there and and that's when the ending of coronavirus will happen it's it's just two relatively different viewpoints on how how coronavirus will end 
Yeah, I mean, to provide a little bit more context, because I think you mostly were right, but there is a little bit you're missing out on how Biden pictures handling COVID. Biden has about like an eight to 12 point plan, a ex- very extensive uh, multiple page plan on how he's going to address coronavirus. And his plan is essentially if, if a vaccine comes soon enough, that's excellent. But if it doesn't, what, he's, what he plans to do is mandate masks. If things get bad in certain states or around the country, try, uh, require a lockdown. Um, and make sure to just fully um, get compliance from the American people, because like we've talked about in our other episodes, or at least one other episode, almost 18% of Americans refuse to wear masks. And if we can get this, and if we can get people to comply with just the bare minimum, the basic health standards and precautions that they should be taking, that's what's truly going to effectively at least decline, uh, allow the cases to decline at least. Um, and then he plans to slowly reopen the country and the economy, not because he wants to prolong the economic uh, hardships that we're going through right now, but because it's better to, to open the economy once slowly and do it right than constantly reopen it fast, like, like quickly reopen it and then constantly have to shut it down, then reopen, shut it down, then reopen with cases spike. He wants to do it once and effectively, whereas Trump is more like, let's open it for two weeks and see what happens. And just Trump does not have a COVID plan. And that's something that really struck me. He's this whole speech. He's talking about how amazing he did with COVID and how he literally used the words, we will crush this virus. Okay. Well, how? You didn't say a single word about how you're going to do this. You've only talked about how the, the supplies and equipment have been spread. I don't know. I just, I, Biden has a plan on COVID and maybe Trump does, but I don't see one on his website and I didn't see one on his speech and I haven't seen one for the past several months. So where's the plan at? Trump left it to the mayors to reopen and states like Texas and Arizona opened very, very early. And that was detrimental to, to their COVID cases. So, uh, exactly. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, he just, he just left it up to the states. Um, maybe he did like have COVID plans. He did get a lot of ventilators, which I guess, uh, is good for him. But, um, yeah. I don't know. I just think that, um, this whole idea that that, that that Trump will get rid of COVID is such an empty promise. Such an empty promise. If he I actually mean, had any clue on how to do it, well, then why didn't why hasn't he at least been starting the process? The only I'm way not you saying can, I feel like I feel like the ending of COVID is going to be with vaccine or everyone gets everyone gets COVID. Um, I do want to bring up the point that uh, I, I remember a lot of um, media sources or just people in general saying that like, oh, Obama was able to um, like track down Ebola and stop it before it could go into this massive outbreak. And while that is true, I you also have to take into consideration how Ebola worked, right? Ebola was transmitted through, through fluids, much like coronavirus, right? Like if my spit gets on you or if my sweat gets on you, then well, that's that's how it's transmitted, right? Well, and, yeah, and corona mosquitoes. is also airborne, but yes. Yeah, yeah. So so they both travel the same ways, is or relatively the same way is what I'm trying to say, right? Sure. But the pro- but the thing is with Ebola, if you if you got it, then you would die within two days, two or three days. It was a very quick death, right? But with coronavirus, the problem here is you don't know if you have coronavirus until you're two weeks in, remember? This was this right. was a big problem because anywhere from up to fourteen days yeah. exactly, and so people who got coronavirus didn't know, and so they traveled to many other places. While in Ebola, they would uh, they would get a high fever the the very next day, and so they couldn't travel anywhere. So that's I think that's a big difference, and that's one of the reasons why coronavirus was able to travel 
around the world so quickly because no one knew they had it because it took such a long time for symptoms to actually to develop and to become noticeable. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different animal. It's, it's an extremely complex thing. However, it's not like there weren't science, uh, medical professionals advising Trump. And it's not like he, he, it's not like Dr. Fauci hasn't been trying to tell him what to do from the very beginning. But yes, it, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to, I'm not going to tell sit here and tell you that it's an easy virus to ta- tackle. If any president would be struggling right now. However, do I think that any president would have royally fucked up this entire situation as much as Trump did? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. All right. Next, next topic. I think we pretty much covered all of it. Uh, to switch gears a bit, um, I also noticed a lot of patriotism in his speech. And at some points, um, maybe some nationalism could come off. Uh, do you have any ideas about that or any points? Yeah, 100%. I definitely noticed that. There was just a lot of, a lot of America first, which in essence isn't bad, but the way that Trump means it has led to a lot of... Um, the way that 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 quote has been propagated in our country has led to harm to a lot of other like to people from other countries um and then in general one thing i noticed is that he said that he one of his one of the quotes that really stood out to me was how can the democrats lead us if they can't stop talking uh, criticizing this country and talking about the problems and i just want to talk about that because i've actually seen a lot of people saying things similar to it like if you don't like this country, then leave or stop hating about hating on this country. Otherwise, you're not a patriot. And I really do want to I want to provide my stance on that. And I definitely want to hear your point on it after the way I feel about this whole idea that if you criticize your country, you can't possibly love it is I think that's a completely backwards uh, thought. I think that if you truly are a patriot, you'll appreciate your country for the good things it does. Yet criticize it for the bad things simply because you see your country's true potential and want to go and, and want to reach that potential even if it goes against the status quo. And I think that to say that just because Democrats are acknowledging things that are present and they are statistically backed like racial injustice, class inequity, blah blah blah. Um, they can't possibly be good leaders. It's just false. A, a good if his if Donald Trump's idea of a good leader is someone who never acknowledges the problems and constantly praises this country even when it's in the wrong, that is not that is not a fair leader. That is leading towards fascist tendencies. But what are your thoughts on this whole idea that well, this whole quote that he said about the left and how they criticize America? Uh, I just wanted to point out that that is a very bold statement that well, you made said- in the end. Um, it's said pretty often, though. It's not like a, the first time anyone said this. Uh, it's the first time I've heard America <sighs> being described as fascist. But I don't think it is. Fa- I, don't, I don't think America's fascist. I yeah, but you Trump, said it, it can lead to fascist, which is something I I've think Trump heard of. says things that are reminiscent of what a fascist leader would say. It, I hope that's more clear. But what are your thoughts on this whole Democratic d- Democrat quote from this speech? Just to give uh, more context, uh, I'm going to be, uh, I'll read out the quote. Um, and this election will decide whether we will defend the American way of life or allow a radical movement to completely dismantle and destroy it. It won't happen. At the DNC, Joe Biden and his party repeatedly assailed America as a land of ra- racial, economic, and social injustice. So tonight, I ask you a simple question. How can the Democratic Party ask to lead our country when it spends so much time tearing down our country? Uh, so, yeah, the point you made, how the how like a person can criticize 
um, something and still lead it. Uh, I think, yeah, that's completely valid. If you criti- if you criticize the country, then that just means <clears throat> you notice the problems in it and you want to fix those problems. I think, I think as a leader, <laughs> you should be able to notice the problems and you should be able to criticize things just, just for the sake of making them better. I think that's what you're supposed to do as a leader. But I think you can read it that way. Um, the quote, how can the Democratic Party ask to lead our country when it has spent so much time tearing down our country? I think tearing down and criticizing is a pretty significant difference. Um, I also think that what Trump also said um, at the DNC, Joe Biden repeatedly assailed America as a land of racial, economic, and social injustice. So I think when Trump says that, I think it pretty much says that he doesn't believe that these things are real or these things are happening. Yeah, 100%. I, that's, that's my reading of it. There, Of course, everyone can have their own interpretation of what they're saying. Um, and this, this isn't as highlighted um, as as you've seen with Trump um, and and his view on the minorities of America, he does say many times that he's helped these minorities by a landslide, even more than Obama ever did. And that's something he boasts about. Um, <clears throat> so take it as you will. Um, I was just giving my interpretation of it and some no, yes. context. You actually raise a really good point. The fact that he brings this up as if it's an unreasonable criticism makes it seem like he's ridiculing the cause uh, as a whole. The fact that people are calling these things out, which is, again, uh, very frustrating to a lot of people. And it's what a lot of his supporters want to hear. So, yeah. Have we have we pretty much talked about Donald Trump's speech? Is that... Oh, I did want to point out one more thing. He says that, oh, the Democratic Party um, wants to tear down our country and, you know, pretty much take steps back and then make their own steps. And so <clears throat> I think I brought this up a couple of times where our just the way our government works, um, we take two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one, back, one step back. I think that just shows it again um, right here. That's, yeah. <laughs> so that's the point I wanted to make. Yeah, I do get what you're saying. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please feel free to email us at thefreethoughtpodcast at gmail.com. That's thefreethoughtpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.